You are listening to the Piedmont Church Podcast. To learn more about Piedmont Church, including our gathering times in Macon, you can visit us online at piedmontchurch.net. If you have your Bible, I want to ask you to turn to Acts chapter 8 with me. I'm so thankful to be here. I'm thankful to have my wife Casey with me today that she could come along. She doesn't get to come every time, but I'm always thankful when she does. And it's good to see some familiar faces. We know a few of you guys and thankful for that today. But uh, just delighted to be here. I do love your pastor, Chris. We've had the opportunity over the last year to get to know each other a little bit. I am the, mission, I mean, the evangelism consultant for the Georgia Baptist, uh, Georgia Baptist Mission Board. And I cover a region that goes from Thomaston to Augusta and kind of that whole chunk of Georgia, if you just take it out. About 600 churches within the Georgia Baptist Mission Board that I work with. And then I work with some other guys too and just try to encourage them in the area of evangelism. Now, when you say the word evangelism many times in churches, everybody's like, oh, no, he's going to talk about evangelism. And we don't like to talk about evangelism because here's a little secret nobody wants to share. We don't like to do it. It's scary. It's hard to talk to somebody who's lost about Jesus, and so many times we just don't do it. So I try to help churches and try to help pastors mobilize their people to get them out in the world telling others the great news about Jesus. Do y'all know what the gospel means? It means good news, right? Any other good news, when our favorite football team wins, we want to tell everybody about it, don't we? When we have a, a baby or something, we want to tell everybody about it. When something good happens in our life and I get a, a raise uh, in my job or I get a new position... We want to tell everybody about it. Why? It's good news. But the greatest thing we ever have to experience, the forgiveness of sins, the Bible says, you understand what the Bible says when it talks about someone who's lost? It says they are dead, they are in darkness, they are sinking in the miry clay. But the Bible says when we come to Christ, he takes us out of that dark place, he brings us into a place of life, he takes us from a place of deadness into a place of life that we can walk with him and know him. And one day, one day... We will get to spend all of eternity with him. And if that's not good news, I don't know what is. But the problem is getting the good news out of our hearts, out of our heads, into our voices. And so others can come to know that same good news. Because everybody has an opportunity to know Jesus. And I, I want to encourage you, and I want to say this, but I want to be very truthful with you. For the most part, in the church of Jesus Christ today, evangelism is dead. Especially in the church of America. The latest statistic I've seen on it, it says that 95 plus percent of Christians will never lead anybody else to faith in Jesus Christ. Now think about that statistic for just a moment. 95 plus percent of Christians will never lead anybody else to faith in Jesus Christ. Do you know how that's affected us? Take the millennial generation, if you will, for just a minute. Some of you guys are in the millennial generation. Uh, that's a little behind me for sure. But in the millennial generation, there are currently 4% of that population who are involved in church in any way. 4%. Do you know the builders, the World War II generation? Do y'all know how many percent? It was 86% of that group was in church on a regular basis. We've gone in a few generations to where it's four. I would dare say the generation after the millennials, there's even less. And you say, well, pastor, why do you tell us that? I tell you that because I want you to understand we're in a code blue situation when it comes to the church of Jesus Christ. Y'all ever watch TV? I like watching medical shows, you know, ER, all that stuff back in the day. <laughs> Some of y'all are like, ER, what is that? You know, that was way back when. 
If y'all know George Clooney, that was when he got his real break right there. There you go. So that's ER. But we used to watch that. But every once in a while in ER, what would happen is they would wheel somebody in and they would all be running around, code blue, code blue. Why? Because that person had stopped breathing. Their heart had stopped beating. And so everybody dropped what they were doing. They rushed in with the crash cart. They gathered around. They're doing chest compressions. They're doing CPR. And they get the paddles ready, right? That was my favorite part. Okay, clear. And they would put them on, boom. And they would try to shock that person's heart back into beating. So everybody focused all of their attention on that. Why? Because the man was not breathing and he was going to die in any moment if something drastic wasn't done. I think we have a code blue situation with the church. 95% plus people will never share, never lead anybody to faith in Christ. We've got a generation that's 4% that anybody in church. We've got people who are dying and lost all around us. And here's the worst part. It's not necessarily that the church is not doing the task of evangelism, but the worst part is even, even worse than that is that many times we don't even seem to care if we're doing it or not. We come to church, we have worship, we give our time, we serve, we give our money, we do whatever it might be as a good church member we would do. But many times, even our best church members, they go out into the world. And they never even think that God has placed me in this job. He's placed me in this neighborhood. He's placed me on this ball team with all these other parents so that I can shine the light of Christ into their lives and hopefully lead somebody to faith in Christ. You see, we've lost the gospel pulse. And unless we get the gospel pulse back, the church will continue to die in America. The church will continue to lose its influence. And we will miss God's best in our life. And so I want us to understand how we can recover the gospel pulse this morning if you have your bible in acts chapter 8 you see a story of a man named philip now philip was a part of the early church in jerusalem and just to kind of give you a background of where we are in the book of acts most of you have a good familiar uh, mindset about the book of acts i'm sure uh, we have the day of pentecost in acts chapter 2 uh, the church was booming in Acts chapter 3 and Acts chapter 4, there was a little persecution. Peter and John were getting arrested, but nothing too serious. They would always let them go, and then through that, more people would get saved because of their faithful witness. And so as you move along in Acts, you see the church in Jerusalem is just exploding. The Bible says the Lord is adding to their number every single day. They're gathering together for worship. They're gathering together to pray. They're gathering together to listen to the apostles' teaching, all the things we do in the church today. But yet they were going out with the gospel Paul saying, we've got to tell other people about this great news that we've heard. And so all of this is happening mostly in Jerusalem at the time. And so people, more and more people, the Bible says people were looking at them and they were standing in awe because of what was happening there at the church. But as the church began to boom, their persecution began to increase. And as we come to Acts chapter 7, we see Stephen, who was a young man, full of the Spirit, full of power. He's out there preaching the gospel. And he's telling them, you need to know Jesus. Here's where our fathers were in Jerusalem, Jewish people. And now Jesus has come, and he's transformed our life. And there was a rowdy group around him that wanted to kill him. And as he continued to share the gospel, and he continued to cut right through the heart of the message... The people became so angry, they began to stone Stephen. If you read at the end of chapter 7. And Stephen died, the first known martyr that we have in Scripture. The Bible says a young man named Saul held the coats of those that were throwing the stones. Y'all know who Saul became, right? The Apostle Paul. But so we see persecution begins to enter into the church. Real persecution. People are getting killed. People are getting carted away. People are getting thrown in jail because... They don't want them preaching the gospel, and so they're doing that. And so as a result of that, and I believe God uses everything for his glory as a result of that, the persecution there, 
some of the people began to scatter. And that's where we pick up Philip here in chapter 8. Because Philip scatters and he begins to go out from Jerusalem into other areas, Samaria and even beyond, as we'll see in just a moment. And we want to see some things. As Philip is disconnected from the main body, there were some things that remained true about Philip's life. There were some things Philip began to do and he kept doing even as he was moving away from that home base of Jerusalem. And I believe we can learn from Philip today. If we're going to recover the gospel pulse in the church of Jesus Christ, we can learn some things from Philip that if we would take hold of and if we would allow the Lord to use us, that we could see the church rise up again. And that's my prayer, that we could impact the world. If you look around your world today, there is so much anxiety, there is so much fear, there is so much hate, there is so much anger among the people in this world. And what better message than the message of Jesus Christ to change that for people in their world? And we have that message as followers of Jesus Christ. And so what do we need to learn from Philip as we see his message and uh, uh, see his message laid out before us? And I think there's five things. If you've got something to write down, I'd love for you to do that. But Philip understood there were five things that were to be true as being a part of the body of Jesus Christ. And if we want to recover the gospel pulse, we must understand these things too. And the first thing is this. Philip understood what the foundational mission of the church was. Look at verse 4 in chapter 8 of Acts for just a moment. It says, now those who are scattered, as I mentioned, they're all being scattered now because of persecution. It says, now those who are scattered went about preaching the word. Now, if I was in the situation Philip was, we're surrounded by all our friends, we're surrounded by all these people, God is moving, the power of God is showing up, awesome things are happening, it's incredible. And all of a sudden, persecution begins to come in, and I begin to be scattered because of that persecution. I don't know if the first thing on my mind would be to carry the gospel wherever I was going. I might be thinking, well, I better watch out because I don't want to get thrown in jail myself. I don't want to get stoned. I've just heard about Stephen getting stoned. I'm not sure if I want to get stoned. And now you want me to leave the comfort of Jerusalem where I was. And you want me to go out into a different place where I don't even know. Into Samaria. It even says he goes to Samaria. And in Samaria, Jews hated Samaritans. So he's going into a foreign place. He's going into a place where the people normally didn't like his kind. But it says he went with the gospel. Why? Why did he go with the gospel? Because he understood that was the foundational mission of the church. What we've lost many times is we've lost sight and lost understanding that the very foundational thing of what we should be about as the church of Jesus Christ is getting the good news to people who don't know about him. It is to transform the world. The Bible says going to all the world and making disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's our calling, not just your pastor's calling, not just your leader's calling. It is all of ours. If you have been saved this morning, if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior today, if there's been a moment in your life where you laid down your life and you said, Lord, I need you and I want to be forgiven. I want to turn from my old life. I want to turn fully to you. If you've done that today, it is your calling to be a bearer of the good news of Jesus Christ. You see, he understood the foundational of mission of the church. It wasn't optional. It wasn't just for the gifted. It wasn't just for those who were Bible scholars. It wasn't just for those who knew all the right answers. It was for everyone to take the gospel into a lost and dying world. Too often today, the church has lost sight of this foundational mission. Our churches have made it okay in large part to ignore it. 
When's the last time you came to church and somebody asked you, hey, tell me who you're praying for that needs to know Christ this week. Tell me who you share Christ with this week in your dealings in business or at your school or when you were out at the ballpark with your friends. Did you share Christ with anybody this week? <laughs> Thank you, ma'am. Praise the Lord. I like it. Amen. You're one of the few, and I'm thankful for that. But more of us need to do it. That shouldn't be the rare exception. That should be the truth of all of us today. But we've got to get back to the foundation. What is the foundational mission? The second thing we can learn from Philip, not only did he understand the foundational mission of the church, but he understood his field of responsibility. Look at verse 5. He says, Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. Now, I mentioned earlier there's something very strange about Samaria. They didn't like Jews, and Jews didn't like Samaritans. But here's Philip going to Samaria, and as he's going, he's sharing the gospel. Do you know what your field of responsibility is for the gospel? It may not be to go to Africa and serve as a missionary in Africa somewhere, or to South America, or to the Middle East, or somewhere like that. That may not be your field of responsibility. Now, as Christians and as the body, it's our calling, all of us, to be a part of seeing that happen. But what is your field of responsibility? Y'all ready? You might want to write this down. Wherever you go. Wherever you go. That's your field of responsibility. Where you live, obviously, your home, the family. I'm to be a witness to my family, to my neighbors, those that live around me. Uh, Where I work. The reason you are where you are in your job is not necessarily just to make money. It's not just to climb the corporate ladder. It's not just to get better and more things and more jobs. You are where you are to shine the light of the gospel to the people around you. We've lost sight of that. Oh, you're talking about my work life, Pastor. That's separate from my church life. No, God's placed you there. He's given you influence there so that you can be a light and a witness to the gospel. Where you go to school. Uh, Where you play, the things you do. What do you enjoy doing? Your kids play ball? Great. How many parents on the team that your kids are part of don't know Christ? You have an opportunity to witness to them. Understanding my field of influence is wherever I go. When I go to the Publix down the street and I see the lady that checks out my groceries every week. That's part of your field of influence. Your field, everywhere I go, I have opportunity to share The love of Jesus Christ. So understanding my field of opportunity. Philip was going down to Samaria. Why was that his field of responsibility? Because that's where he was going. Later on we see him in the the wilderness. And he sees the Ethiopian eunuch. And he goes immediately as the Spirit directed him. And he shares Christ with him. Then the Bible says he's, he's whisked off by the Spirit to a place called Azotus. And he begins to share the gospel in every town that he went. Why? Because that's where he was going. What if every believer, what if every believer took that seriously and said, you know what, wherever I go, where I live, work, and play, I'm going to shine the light of Christ to the people around me. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying you've got to take your family Bible in everywhere you go and whack people upside the head with it and say, get saved. Or stand on the street corner like those crazy people sometimes and they're yelling and screaming at people and telling them they're going to burn in hell forever. I'm not saying you have to do that. But I am saying that I begin to develop relationships and I build bridges. And I pray intentionally and focus for those people. And when God gives opportunity, I can share the message of the good news of Jesus. See, the relation, the gospel moves best along lines of relationship. The days where we can just put up a big sign out front of the church, y'all come and hear the gospel. People are like, "Mm, no thanks. 
got plenty of other things to do. But when a friend or a loved one or a co-worker who's invested and who loves them, who's been praying intensely for them, shares with them the good news of how Jesus Christ has changed their life, it makes a difference. We, had a field of, we have a field of responsibility. And so Philip understood. Wherever I go, I'm responsible for the people God's placed in my life. That loved one that doesn't know Christ today. You might be the only light in their life. And what happens if I don't shine it? What happens if I don't speak it? We say we believe that people who don't go know Christ and are lost, when they die, they go to a terrible place called hell, separated from God forever. We say that, but do we really believe it? Understanding our field of responsibility. The third thing Philip understood that we need to understand, too, is the force of our message. The force of our message. I want you to look in verse 6 through 8 for just a minute. As Philip is sharing, it says, the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. For unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who had been, who had them, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in the city. There was a powerful movement of God in that place. Why? Because the gospel was going out. There are people who are being saved. There are people who are being Changed physically, people being healed, demons being cast. Why? Because the power of gospel was going, was going before him. You see, it's the gospel that changes lives. Romans 1.16 said, uh, it is the power of God into salvation. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because it's the power of God into salvation. That word power there is the word dunamis, which it get, we get our word dynamite from. The gospel is dynamite. If we will be willing to share it, God does the work. Listen, here's the thing that takes the pressure off. Here's the good news. I can't save anybody. You can't save anybody. Nobody's smart enough to save anybody. Nobody is eloquent enough to save anybody. Nobody can have all the answers enough to save anybody. We are just the message bearers. We get to give the message. God shows up and does the work. Nobody in this room who is saved got saved because somebody was super eloquent in sharing the gospel with you. Now, God used somebody. God used an instrument in your life. It was a parent, maybe a pastor or somebody at a camp, maybe something. But God used somebody. But listen, it wasn't that person that saved you. It was the power of the gospel, and it was the Holy Spirit moving and doing a dynamic work in your life. Because we can't save anybody. But we do have the message of power to understand the force of the message. The more I can get that message out, the more opportunity for that message to blow up in somebody's life for good. It's like Peter and John when they saw the lame man in Acts chapter 3. We don't have silver and gold. Here's what we do have. Get up and walk in the power of Jesus' name. And that man was saved. And thousands more were saved because of that. Why? Because they gave him the gospel. We have that same message we get to give to people. That has the same gospel power but it's imperative for us to give the message he understood the power the force of his message the fourth thing we see philip learn he understood the focus of his direction who was it that was directing him you skip over to verse 26 in acts chapter 4 is the things that happened in samaria and now god's moved philip on to a place out in the wilderness it says in verse 26 now an angel of the lord said to philip rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down to Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And so he rose and went. So he's following the leadership of the Lord. And there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. 
he had he'd come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chair, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And look at what it says in verse 29. And the Spirit said to Philip, the Spirit said to Philip, go over and join the chariot. So we know what happened. Philip went over. Do you understand what you're reading? No, how can I? Unless somebody tells me. He jumps in the chair. He tells him what it means. He tells him about Christ. He jumps out. They get baptized, and it's an awesome story. But go back again to verse 29. It says, go over and join the chariot. Who said that? The Spirit said to Philip, here's the good news, boys and girls. Do you know what each of us has if you're a follower of Jesus Christ today? The Holy Spirit of God dwells inside of you. That's awesome. Think about that for him. That's awesome. The Spirit of God dwells in you, and the Spirit of God is speaking into your life daily. If we will hear him, if we will allow him, if we will focus on him, we will be able to hear and be directed by the Spirit of God. And do you know many times what the Spirit of God is wanting to say to us? Here's somebody I want you to minister to over here. Here's a need over here I want you to go meet. You've got the ability to do it. I want you to go touch that person's life. Here's somebody I want you to share. That's what a lot of the messages the Spirit of God wants to share with us is about his kingdom work in this world. If y'all are a a little like me, I mean, I'll just be honest with you. If y'all are anything like me, many times what I want to hear from God is, God, fix my problem. God, take care of this need for me. God, do what I want you to do. And our prayer list looks a lot like that, right? We, We pray off our checklist of everything we want and we need. And so often we hear and we're like, man, I just never hear anything from God. I just don't know what the problem is. I mean, I'm, I can't hear from him. I have a belief, and I see it in my own life, that if we will get on God's agenda and get off our agenda a little bit, and we begin to think about the things of God, that what he wants to do in my life and through my life, we'll hear much more from the Spirit of God. Because he wants to lead us in a direction of where we follow him and where we're used to be a part of his kingdom work. You see, Stephen, um, Philip understood the focus of his direction. If we say in Ephesians 5.18, it says, do not be drunk with wine, but what? Be filled with the Spirit daily. That we have the opportunity to be filled up with the Spirit. Now, we, we, it says don't be drunk with wine in that passage, but, but we can get drunk with that or we can get drunk with a lot of things. Now, we can get drunk, drunk with success. We can get drunk with stuff. We can get drunk with our agendas and our wants and our desires. And those things can lead us away from what God wants. He says, don't. Don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Because when I'm filled with the Spirit daily, I'm doing and focused on the things God wants me to focus on. And what God desires us to focus on is the gospel. His kingdom. His kingdom work in this world. So he understood the focus of his direction. And the last thing Philip understood is he understood the frequency of his opportunity. The frequency of his opportunity. We look and we see here where uh, uh, Philip is ministering in Samaria and he's telling people about Jesus. Many people are getting saved. And then he gets uh, led into the wilderness and he sees the Ethiopian eunuch and immediately he's ready to follow God and to do what God wants him to do in speaking to the uh, Ethiopian eunuch. And then the Bible says he's whisked away as soon as he baptized and the Ethiopian eunuch comes out of the water. He's whisked away to a place called Azotus and the Bible says there he preaches the gospel there and then it says he preaches the gospel in all the cities into Caesarea. You're thinking, wow, that was a machine, right? <laughs> it's like, oh my word. You, you know how I am a lot of times? Two things either happen. One, if I sense the Lord's telling me to do something, right? Y'all have all had this moment where you're like, okay, He's telling me to speak to this person about the gospel. He's, he's telling me, and I, I'm like, oh, man, Lord. 
surely not. I mean, you know that, do you know that guy? Do you know who that guy is? I mean, he's crazy. He don't care anything about you. He don't care anything about me. He might punch me in the nose if I go over there and talk about Jesus. I mean, I don't want to talk to that guy. And so we have this internal battle, right? The Lord's saying yes, you're saying no, yes, no, yes, no, yes, no. You're going back and forth. And there's been many times where I've missed the opportunity because I just fought God and said, I'm not going to do it. And I was in disobedience to that. Uh, there's been some times where I just rejected. There's been other times where I, I wrestled with God so much that the, the opportunity slipped away and it was too late. The, the person walked off or they did something else. And so there's been times where I've, I've blown it, where I've missed it. And then there's the other thing, too. Have you ever had that opportunity where the Holy Spirit speaks to you and you feel like he's leading you to speak to somebody and then you do it? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I actually did it. And then maybe God works or maybe, you know, you don't really see it, but you knew you did what God wants you to do. And we get this feeling. Have y'all seen the meme of the little boy that after he's accomplished something, he just, he just does this, you know, he's just out like this. Like, I did it. That's right. That's right. You ever feel like that after you do something God wants you to do? That's right, Lord. Yes, Lord, I did it. Hallelujah. And then do you know what else I'm thinking in my mind as I'm prancing around praising God for how great I did that work that he wanted me to do? I think, okay, I'm good for at least a few weeks now. I don't have to worry about doing anything else, man. My bank account is full. We can get that mindset. But I believe if we would be willing every day, if we would be filled with the Holy Spirit every day, if we would be ready for the opportunity, God would use us so much more than we could ever imagine. I believe God, every day, he's looking for people who are willing to say, God, if you would just, here I am, Lord, as I wake up and as I get ready to go into my day today. Lord, here I am, fill me with your spirit, and Lord, lead me to people who need to be touched by you. I want to be your hands and feet today. If we would begin to pray that every single day, and we would go into our world with a focus to say, God, it's not about me today, but it's about you. How can I be used by you? I believe you'd be overwhelmed with how many opportunities you would have to tell people about Jesus, to minister to people, to love people, to serve people. But it's so easy in our humanness, so easy in our culture to get caught up in what we need and what we want. And the, and the thing that Satan's got us with is that we chase after all those things and they never truly satisfy. We've got to have more. And God's saying, listen, th there's better out there. There's not just more, there's better because there's things I want you to do if you would just be willing to do it. And sharing the gospel is that thing. You see, God wants to use us today. And so how should we respond? How should you respond today? What would the Holy Spirit speak into your life today? Here, here's a few things real quick. Guys, it's, it's imperative that we change the culture of our church. Uh, not just this church. I, I'm talking about the church at large. I'm talking about the church at general. Uh, listen, the, the pendulum has swung so far to the left over here where, where nobody's sharing their faith. Hard, hardly anybody. There's a few, maybe a, a small percentage of people that, that even give an attempt to share their faith. And, and so we've got we've to do everything in our power to start moving the other way and say, we're, I'm going to have faith. I'm going to be a part of changing the culture of our church. It's not just up to the pastor. It's not just up to the leaders. But, but I want to be a part. It's when God, when Jesus talked about the, the harvest and he said, uh, pray for the harvest because the laborers are few. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. We say, okay, I'll just be one that prays for more laborers. God, no, no, in that prayer, you need to be leading the pack. Saying, Lord, I want to be sent out, and I want to pray for other people to come with me in that. But we have the opportunity. You have the opportunity to lead that, to change the culture of our church. We've got to understand and take it to heart for our personal responsibility. What is your responsibility? Take just a minute right now. I, I, I would pray and believe that 
If you just thought for a moment, what is your personal responsibility in this? I believe there are people that would be coming to mind in your heart right now. Friends that you have, co-workers that you have, classmates, neighbors, people you may have met through dealings at the grocery store or wherever. But people coming to your mind right now that you think, if you really thought, say, you know what, they don't know Christ. They don't know Jesus. When's the last time we were broken over that person? When's the last time you wept because that person is separated from God and if, if, if things don't change, they're going to spend eternity separating him forever? When's the last time we called out to God on their behalf and said, God, please, whatever it takes, Lord, use me. Uh, use somebody, whatever it takes for that person to come to know you. God, I, I want to be a part of that. We got to take on our personal responsibility to be daily. We, we should be daily. Pray and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Say, Lord, today, use me. God, how can you use me today? I want to have the eyes that you have. I want to see people the way that you see them. God, I want to be used by you. I'm just a a vessel, Lord. I'm not pretty. I'm not uh, talented. I don't have any uh, great knowledge and understanding. God, I'm just available. Lord, the Lord's not looking for the smartest people and the best people. Even in the Bible, it says he uses the foolish things of the world, right? Man, God, let me be the fool that you use to change my world, to change my area for Christ. But every day, I've got to be filled up and ready. And then finally, we've got to pray that this would just become part of our DNA. You know, churches, we're, we're, we're famous always for having, we're going to have an outreach event. How many times have you had an outreach event and then anybody, everybody showed up with church people? <laughs> you ever, ever that happened? It's like, oh, wait, I thought this was an outreach event. Uh, no, no lost people are here. And so it needs to become a part of my DNA, a part of your DNA, that it's just who I am. I don't have to wait for a special emphasis. I don't have to wait for a special event that we're having in a few months. Every day, though, I'm just a person who loves Jesus, and I'm a person who wants to tell other people about Jesus, just for it to become a part of my DNA. And And that doesn't just happen, because listen, the enemy will do whatever he can to keep you from doing this. The enemy doesn't care if you do a lot of things. You come to church on Sunday, I mean, he's not real bothered by that. You sing a few praise songs, I mean, he's not real bothered by that. You even serve in some of the ministries of the church. A lot of times he's not real bothered by that. But if you ever get serious about being concerned about the people around you and wanting to share Christ with them, he doesn't like that. So he's going to do whatever he can to keep you from doing it. So it doesn't just happen. It's a process. But would you be willing to take the first step in the process? Would you be willing to take the journey? Say, Lord, I'm here. I'm yours. Use me.